0: Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. You can go to Galatians 6, and we're going to wrap up here. And I believe that these are some of the most practical words that Paul shares with the Galatian church and for us as well. If you're taking notes, the title of my talk here is A Helping Hand, A Helping Hand. And so we're going to pick it up at verse one. If you don't have a Bible, uh, it's going to be on the screens. And if you're here for the first time, like Pastor JP said, you're you're the most important person here. And we're so honored to have you. And uh, we believe that church is not about uh, just the members or people that have been here for years plus and plus it's no it's for every single person and you're always welcome here at Calvary. We love you no matter what your life may look like no matter what your belief system is. You're always going to have a seat here at Calvary and we love that you're here with us and we hope that today you would feel welcome and you feel like there's a savior named Jesus and that you would believe that he cares about you and he has a purpose for your life and I pray that today your life would change in a powerful powerful way. So verse 1. This is Paul speaking to the Galatian church and he says this, "Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, or you who are godly, should restore that person gently. But, watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. It says this in, chapter, in verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Pretty much the translation said that is if you think you're all that, you're not all that. He says in verse 4, each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. So Paul, in these short verses unpacks a lot of things that I really are very practical when it comes to our life as a church and what we're called to do in restoring other people. And so I pray that you would just leave here knowing that we have a mission and we have a job to restore those that are broken, that are hurting, and that we can have practical ways of doing that. So church, why don't we bow our heads and pray and ask God to bless our time. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you so much for this 9 a.m. service. For everybody that showed up and made their way to church and May, may we never get tired of seeing people come to church and find a relationship with you, Jesus. I pray for any person here that may feel broken. They may feel like life is pressing them at all sides and the burden is too heavy to carry and the load is too heavy to carry and the sin is too strong to break free from. I pray today that they would find healing and restoration in you, Jesus. That through Paul's teaching, we can find ways to help those in need. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you. And everybody said? And everybody said? Amen. I love it. Strong amen this morning. And as we're going through Galatians and Keys, you're good to go. Thank you so much. As we've been going through Galatians, we've been seeing why Paul is writing this, this, this letter to this church. You have to understand when we looked in earlier in Galatians, there was a group of people, the religious legalists, that were preaching a false gospel, another gospel, the wrong gospel, which was pretty much this that, okay, it's all right to believe in Jesus and believe in the resurrection. But you still have to live out and walk in the ways of the law. You still have to follow the rules. You still have to be uncircumcised. Just because you believe in Jesus doesn't make you exempt from following the rules, which was incorrect because Jesus came to remove the law once and for all and take all of our burdens. And now once we accept Jesus, we can now live free in him. And so there was confusion back and forth. Okay, there's this gospel where Jesus saves me, and I, I, I believe this is what, what God wants for me. But then there's another gospel. Okay, well, I believe in Jesus, but I, I guess I got to, these, these religious people that are smarter than me, that know more than me, they're telling me I have to keep doing the law. So, so what do I do? So there's confusion and confliction within the Galatian church. And, and it gets even worse because the legalists, not only were they known for, for, for just confusing those that were less than them in their eyes, they also were very judgmental. We see in John 8, when a woman is caught in adultery, they bring her out to Jesus and, and, and tease Jesus of, hey, how do we deal with this one? Because if this was the law, she, sh- she should be dead. And so they were always so quick to add burden to people, to add legality to everything. When Jesus, that's, that's not what he's about. He wants you to live in freedom. He doesn't want you to live tied down to rules and regulations. And so in Galatians, in this chapter, he's saying, hey, brothers and sisters, if someone is in sin, don't, don't judge them. Don't don't be a legalist. Don't be a religious person. Don't don't be somebody so quick to judge others. No, no. Instead, restore them. I think a lot of times as a society, I know I'm not the only one. We can always be so quick to judge people. Like, I know I'm not the only imperfect person in this room tonight. I, I mean, like, I believe all of us can, can fall so quick into judging others. Uh, just recently, I, I just got back from a trip to DR, and uh, it was a mission trip. It was amazing. We had a good time. Any Dominicans in the place today? Que que okay. I literally said that for everything. They asked me what I wanted to eat. I said, que que okay, And I don't know if they knew what I was saying, but it was amazing. It was an awesome trip. And me and my wife, it was our job to chaperone 20 high school students in the DR. I know, it was, it was a rough task, but it was an incredible, incredible weekend. Pretty much literally though the hardest part of our job was checking in the students at the airport and making sure everybody got into the plane. And so we gathered up all the students, we, we, we did attendance, we got everybody. But what scared me about this trip was the luggage that these students were bringing. Like, like I'm not talking about like some, some, some normal sized luggage, I'm talking about luggages that looked like humans were hiding inside of them. And I was very scared, and my wife, I was telling my wife, like, I "Love, I, I don't know about these kids. Are they, are they running away from home? Are they going to live in DR? Are they bringing things that we don't know? Are we going to go to jail? Are we going to like, what's going to happen?" And so I was freaking out already, and I was already like, "Man, these kids, like, like they're 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 overboard. They're over the top. They they they're they're they're, they're selfish. They're, they're I was just putting them all in a box and judging them so hard based on their luggage. And I was already having a mindset thinking, okay. These kids are going to be crazy. They're going to be insane. This is going to be the craziest week of my life. I don't know why I signed up for this. I was freaking out. And so we go through security, and uh, as we're putting our bags in security, a couple of the kids get their, get their bags put to the side for extra check for TSA. And so my estimation was already getting worse, and I was like, okay, we're all going to go to jail. This is not going to happen. Like, there's not, no, no mission trip is going to happen. And what, what I found to my surprise was when TSA opened each bag, the reason it was so big was because there was toys, there was extra clothes, and there was extra food. And so, as you can see, I felt like the worst human being on the face of this earth, judging these students and putting them in a in a, in a box and giving them this identity that 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 God never told me to put them in. Giving them this, this judgmental look of man, because of this, of what I'm seeing on the surface level, this is how they must be when no one's looking. And I think a lot of us in church, and humanity, we could be so quick to judge just like the legalists and the religious leaders that Paul is speaking against. He's saying, hey, if somebody's struggling with sin, d- don't judge them. Restore them. And when it comes to the question I believe Paul's trying to ask us is this. Is when we see somebody struggling with sin, and it's a sin that, that we don't know the story, we don't know what they're dealing with, we don't know what that person is going through. Are we quick to rebuke them when we should be quick to restore them? I think a lot of times we could be like, man, that person, they deserve whatever's going on with them. Whatever happens because, because a mistake they, ma- they made, a choice that they made, a decision that they made, got them to where they're at. And instead of restoring that person back to the, to the creation that Jesus called them to be, we rebuke them and we judge them and we push them away from getting the healing and the deliverance that they can get here in the church. And really, if there's one thing we could get from today, and I I pray that this would stick in your mind, you would remember it, is this. The main idea of what I believe Paul is trying to teach us is this. When somebody is struggling with sin, offer your hand, not your judgment. When somebody is struggling with sin, a spiritual problem, a spiritual defect, always be quick to offer your hand to help them up, not your eyes to bring them down, not your words to bring them down, not your rebuke, not your punishment, because you are not judge, jury, and executioner. The only one that has the right to judge is our Heavenly Father, and He Himself sent Jesus to say, I'm not here to judge, I'm here to love you and help you get through what you're going through. But as a church, we have to follow that example. As a church, are we helping people with their problems or are we judging them and rebuking them saying hey you're stuck with your problem you got to figure it out yourself there's no seat for you here there's no there's no help for you here because when you come to church when you have an encounter with a spiritual person someone who is in Christian faith you should find restoration every single time every single time that is the job that we have we are here to restore people what does it mean to restore to mend to, to put something back to normal that was broken previously. We are called to help people that are broken, help people that need us and, and that need to be fixed and don't know how to do it on their on their own. But I think so many times we can have a culture where we're so quick to rip each other apart instead of retoring, restoring each other back together. And so here in verse one, Paul's saying, hey, hey guys, look, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are godly, Christian, spiritual, you live by the Spirit. You should restore that person gently. Why do we need restoration? Why is Paul telling us to restore others? Because here's the thing, church. There is people that are struggling with sin that cannot save themselves, that cannot restore themselves, that cannot help themselves, that cannot un- unstuck themselves from this sin. You see, You see, sin is something that can be very sticky and can grab onto you, and it's going to be hard to get away and break free from on your own. Sin is a spiritual problem, but it needs a community to help get free from it. I think a lot of times we can look at, I think, this sin and say, how, how can we break free from this? It's too powerful. What I'm dealing with is it's too much. It kind of reminds me of fishing. Maybe you're a fisherman in the place. Maybe you've seen fishing on a movie or TV or, or, or you, you, you know about fishing. Like, I think a lot of us can know this is that when someone, when someone catches a fish, that fish, once it's caught, it's not getting out of that hook. And what happens, what does a fish do? The fish does everything in its might and its power to, to break free from that hook. It wiggles and it wiggles and it wiggles and it just keeps doing all these things. And it tries to break free and it tries to do everything, jump, do whatever it can to break free from the hook. But no matter what it does, it never happens. It stays stuck. It could try all on its own to break free from that sin, but it's not going to happen no matter what they do. And I really believe today that there's some of you wiggling with some sin and you guys are trying everything in your might To break free and to to loose yourself and to fix yourself and to save yourself. You're trying so many things like, Phil, I have this sin that I'm struggling with, that I'm dealing with, and I'm trying everything in my own power and my own might to save myself. And you're wiggling and you're struggling and you're tired and you have sleepless nights and you don't know who to go to, who to talk to, and you're doing everything on your own when you were never meant to. You're not called to be a fish caught in a hook, wiggling and wiggling, trying to save yourself. What you need to do is you need to find a spiritual person who can restore you gently. I really believe that you can find restoration in church today. That you don't have to struggle You don't have to struggle emotionally, circumstantially, physically. You don't have to struggle spiritually. That today, when you walked into those doors, you had the right to find restoration and be filled with people that are spiritual. They're going to have your back. But I believe here's what happens where we can feel like we're struggling with sin and struggling with this thing inside of us that we can't break free from. But, but there's two things that happen that we need to do that we don't do. And, and I think that's what's holding us back from getting delivered. I think the, the, the first thing a lot of us struggle with when we have sin in our life is that we're very quick to talk to the wrong people. We're very quick to talk to the wrong people. I'm struggling with sin, I'm dealing with somebody, let me see what someone else has to say, who may not be as spiritual as me, or spiritual as I need them to be, and what happens is, we get wrong advice, wrong wisdom, we get, we get, we get false prescriptions, we don't get what we need, and what happens is, we keep wondering why we, we can't be delivered, that we can't be saved, listen, if you're gonna be saved, or if you're gonna be delivered from something spiritual, you have to be delivered spiritually, Sin is a spiritual problem, so how can you go to someone who's not spiritual to save you from something that's spiritual? Sin is a spiritual problem. It is not a, you put a band-aid on it and everything's going to be okay. It is a deep issue that needs something spiritual to counterattack it. And so you need to find spiritual people. Why do we come to church? To be spiritual and to find spiritual people. We come to church every single Sunday to fill ourselves up, to be spiritual, to learn the word. But also say, who can I attach myself that is spiritual? When I do sin, I can be restored by that person. It's just like going to the doctor. You hope that when you go to the doctor, they know what they're talking about. I'm going to the doctor, sitting on the table, and he's telling me I need to get my spleen removed, but, but I have a broken ankle. It's like, doctor, I, I don't know how that correlates. Do you have a degree? What is going on here? But you see, a lot of us, what, what we do in our own life when we sin is we get, we, get, we, get fake, we, get, we get the wrong medicine from fake doctors. We get bad medicine from fake doctors. And what we do is what we do is we we, we try to go to people, hoping they're going to give us the right medicine, and we're like, okay, I'm good for a moment, and they're like, but why am I still struggling with the sin? It's because you got the wrong medicine from the wrong doctor. You got the wrong medicine from the wrong place. You got the wrong medicine from the wrong person. And what happens is we start looking for human opinion, human advice, human. What what does Facebook have to say? I need to get something. I need to share this. I need to post this. What does Facebook have to say? What does my family member have to say? What does my friend have to say? But if not, not spiritual, it's not the help that you need. Listen to me. Human opinion will delete God's helping hand. Human opinion will delete God's helping hand. Tonight, today, you might be struggling with some sin. It's okay, you're not alone. We are sinners. We all struggle with sin. And here's the thing, what happens is, but if you have a, a mentality, you have a culture where you go to human opinion, human advice every single time, it may be getting away from God wanting to actually heal you and you're just going to the wrong person. Like what if God wanted to deliver you and heal you, but your face is so focused on the person that can't even help you? Like, like, what if it's like right around the corner in that healing you're looking for, that answer you're looking for, that deliverance you're looking for, that, that, that fixation you're looking for is right around the corner, and God's ready to give it to you, but you're so quick to say, let me see what this person has to say. Let me see what she has to say. Let me hear what this Facebook post has to say about whatever you're going through. And you can delete God's helping hand and remove the thing that was, that was going to be given to you to help you with what you were dealing with. But we get bad medicine from the wrong doctors. Some of us we we live life never being restored, never being to our full self, our full potential because of the wrong human advice. I think the second thing that helps us from, or doesn't help us from getting restored, is this: is that a lot of us want to be fixed, but we want we don't want to hear the truth that needs to be said to us. So, for example, um, you, you you want to get delivered. You're you're broken. You're dealing with some sin. You're struggling. And you know you need to talk to somebody spiritual, but you know that when you talk to that person, they're going to tell you something that you don't want to hear. You need to hear it, but you don't want to hear it. And so what happens is we're like, you know what, I'd rather stay broken. You and I'd rather stay in pieces. You know, I'd rather stay how I am and I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll keep wiggling on my own. I'll make it day by day. And instead of just having one conversation that can change your entire life. Like, like think about this, like going back to, Going back to anatomy and, and doctors, imagine you had a broken bone, and, and your bone is it's, it's broken, it's sticking out, it's grotesque, it's like, man, this is the worst thing ever, like, I need to fix this. And you go to the doctor, what are they going to do? Hopefully it's a good one. What are they going to do? They're going to they're gonna put it back into place. Is, is the act of putting it back into place going to be painful? Yes. But will it be more painful than leaving it broken when it's not supposed to be broken? And a lot of us, what we do is we're broken, and we know we need to go get help from someone spiritual, but what happens is we're so scared of the initial pain that we'd rather stay broken and deal with that brokenness. And so here's the thing. I really believe that if you can really get into this mindset of, okay, I'm not going to stay broken because I have to. I need to get truth, grace and truth. I need to talk to somebody, then I could be healed. The temporary pain of now will save you from the permanent pain of the future. Like, like, like... We need friends, we need spiritual people, we need connect groups, we need community, we need collective grace and faith together to help us with, you know what? I needed to hear that, thank you because you saved my future from future pain. Because a lot of us, were living with dangling arms, broken bones, when all we have is one conversation that can heal us and yet we choose not to stay or not to be healed. You don't have to live broken. Church, you don't have to live flawed. You don't have to live in pain. You don't have to live in in harm. You can find grace. You can find help in Jesus Christ and his church. There is people here to help you. You don't have to stay broken, church. Like your future doesn't have to be you just mending yourself and being alone and just wobbling through life. You can be made whole here today. It may not happen right now, but you can start the process. And it might be one conversation. It might be one decision with following Jesus. It might be one decision of joining a connect group. It might be a decision of joining CR. It might be just one decision that will break that will make you back to being whole again. One decision it takes. Paul, he talks about spiritual sin. It's a, it's a, it's a spiritual problem, but now he goes to another problem, which is a burden. And in verse two, he says this. The wind keeps flipping my pages here. Okay. It says this in verse two. He says, carry each other's burdens. And I encourage you to read this chapter. This, 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 this is a, there's a lot of stuff. I'm skipping it because I don't want to go over time. But chapter, this, I mean, it's a really amazing chapter. Verse 2, he says this, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So he talks about if someone's caught in sin, spiritual problem, you need someone spiritual to fix it, right? Does that make sense? Now he's saying, hey, carry each other's burdens. And when you do that, you're going you're gonna to fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what's the difference between... Sin and a burden. A burden necessarily isn't sin. It's just something that's so heavy that you can't carry on your own. Like a burden is like, man, life is heavy right now. Life is de- de- demanding right now. And I'm stressed out. And, I, and I'm all over the place. And I feel like I'm, I'm losing my strength because I'm carrying the weight of the world. My family is, is, is becoming a weight. My relationship with my girlfriend or boyfriend is becoming a weight My school is becoming a weight. My job is becoming a weight. X, Y, and Z, you, name it. But a burden is something that is heavy that is causing you to slump down and be be, be having to carry it and trying your best on your own. So burden necessarily isn't sin, but it's something heavy that we have to deal with in life. Life can be a burden. Can it not? I mean, can we all be vulnerable? Life can be tough. Like even as a Christian, life can be tough and there's always going to be burdens you're going to have to carry. But here's the thing. Paul's telling the church in Galatians, what he's telling us is, hey, Hey, carry each other's burdens. Like, like if you see somebody with a burden, why don't you take that step and help carry that burden for them? But I think a lot of times we, we get what, what carrying each other's burdens, we have a misunderstanding of what that looks like. JP, can you come up and bring your burden up? JP's just a super burden guy. He's going through a lot. He's struggling. Look at him. He's, he's barely going to make it. And JP has a burden. And he's going through. You know, student debt is lining up. He is, how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to do this? He's got a burden. A lot of us, there's people in church right now that are walking with that burden. We may not see it, but there's a burden. And they're walking and they're they're wobbling and they're limping and they're trying. They're doing their best. But I think here's what happens when we think about carrying each other's burden. Here's what I think we think carrying each other's burden is. So I see my friend JP and he's struggling. You could tell by his body language, how he's talking, his habits. He's struggling with a burden. But here's what we do. Oh man, JP's struggling with a burden. JP, hey man, I know, you're, I know you're going through some stuff. I'm praying for you, bro. Right from here, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, believing the spirit is going to move that burden away. And we pray. Is there something wrong with praying? No. Prayer is great. But but there's a distance to prayer. I think a lot of the times we look at someone's burden and we do this. We go, hey, you see a burden, you have a burden, JP. I think if you tried this and maybe went this direction or tried doing that and tried this route, then you can remove that burden. And so we give direction, we give discernment, we give advice, but but there's a distance to advice. There's a distance to discernment. There's a distance to helping people where they're going. We can, we can encourage. JP, I know you got a burden, but come on, man, you're strong. You've been, you're have a youth leader. You, you serve here on Sundays. You did growth track like eight times. You're ready to go, bro. You got this. You encourage. There's nothing wrong with encouragement, but there's a distance to encouragement. There's a distance. There's a there's a there's a fine line of like you know what. Praying, encouraging, giving direction is all good things, but but here's the thing about carrying others' burdens. You you can't carry the burden if you're not close to the burdened person. Like you can 't carry the burden unless you 're close to the to the burden person, like I can pray for j p all I want, I can encourage him all I want, but until I get close to him and say "Hey." I'm going to carry this burden with you, bro. And every single day, now that I'm attached, now that I'm stuck, now I can pray for him. Now I can encourage him. Now I can discern him and give him direction because I'm not in a distance. I'm in proximity, close to him. And every single day, as a brother, as a sister, I can say, hey, I got you. I'm going to carry this. We can do this. You can keep going, keep going, keep going. And sooner or later, we can help others instead of saying, you know what? I'm praying for you. You got this. Uh, I'm gonna tag their, I'm gonna tag them in a picture that's motivational on Instagram. Like like those are good things. But that's not what carrying each other the burden looks like. You gotta get close. Like, you got to get so close that They feel your presence. I think that's a lot of times we, we don't want to get close because we feel like we're going to take all their problems and we're going to take all their mistakes. That's not what carrying each other's burden is. Now, what happens is people take advantage and they're lazy and they want you to do everything for them, but that's not what that is. Taking care carrying each other's burden is saying, I'm going to help you. You don't have to be alone. We could do this together. But then a lot of us, we don't want to have that proximity. We don't have that, that closeness because we feel like we're, we're, we're going to be wasting our time and we're going to be, there's false hope. There's no point. Thank you so much, JP. You got to be close to the burden, person. Burdens are heavy, and Paul's saying you were never meant to carry the burden alone. But this is where the beautiful part comes in. He says when we do that act, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? It's the law of love. It's the law of love. What did Jesus do for us? He carried our burdens. He didn't come on earth just to say, hey you can do this. We got you. You heal yourself. Like a good pat on the back. Like, Hey, you're doing great. Like, no, no, he did it himself. He got my burden. He put it on his back and he died on the cross for my sins and your sins. And now when we do it to others, we are now speaking to those saying, Hey, this is what Jesus wants to do for you. What's the law of Christ. It's the law of love. And what is love? It's not just words, it's actions. I can tell you I love you, but if I don't help you carry your burden, do you really love a person? As a church, we can't be distant from people. Community is, is, is supposed to be close. Connect groups is close. It's intimate. But A lot of us, what we do is we just, we choose to stay distant. You used to carry our burdens on our own or, or we don't help anybody with our burdens. If you have a burden here today, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. You can get help. Burdens can be lifted. But you got to find someone who's going to help you lift it. And those, us, that are believers, we have to go help lift other people's burdens. Not just say it, but we got to do it. Because that's the law of Christ. Look what it says in John 13, if we could put it up on the screen. It says, a new command I give you. This is Jesus speaking. Love one another as I, Jesus, have loved you. So you must, not you, you should try to. You must love one another. And when you do this, people will know that you are my disciples if you love everyone, if you love one another. When we carry people's burdens, we're showing to the world of what Jesus did for us and what we're going to be doing for them. But here's the thing, how's your, how's your vertical relationship with Jesus. Because your vertical relationship with Jesus is going to affect your horizontal relationship with Jesus. Because it says, love one another as I have loved you. Have you accepted that love? Do you live by that love? Is that love the fuel that drives you when you talk to people, when you speak to people, when you live next to people, when you work with people? Because if this is not connected, this will never be ever existent. So we have to make sure before we carry each other's burdens that we are aligned and making sure our vertical relationship with Jesus. That we're taking the love for ourselves because yes, Jesus loves us. He doesn't love people more than others. He loves you. And because He loves you, you can now show that love to others. And when we do that, people will know that Jesus is real—not by what we say, but what we do for each other. Paul goes on in verse three and verse th- verse three through five, and I don't want to. Get too into it, but he says, If anyone thinks they are something they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone. For each one should carry their own load. So he talks about struggling with sin, spiritual problems, spiritual people. Now he talks about burdens, something heavy that needs to be carried. But now he talks about this that you need to carry your own load. So, spiritual. Problem needs spiritual people. Burdens needs a friend. But there's going to be a moment in your life where God's going to give you a load that only you can carry. And it's not to harm you. It's not to, to burden you. It's not to not to bring pain to your life. It's to build you up. It's to lift your faith. It's to strengthen you on your own when you can. not It's to do good for you. A load is not a bad thing. In the Greek, it actually says like a shoulder... A, a, a soldier's backpack, backpack that's not too heavy. It's not light either, but it's, but it's manageable. It's a load that you can carry on your own, a backpack that you can have for your life. But I think a lot of us, what happens is we get used to having our, carry, our burdens carried that we don't know the difference between a burden and a, and a load. And what happens is we, we look for handouts and we look for people to help us. When God's saying, you know, this is for you and you alone. This load that you have to carry, it's, it's for you. It's not for anybody else. There's no free handouts that can save you. I think a lot of us, we live our Christianity like, like free samples at Dayland Mall. I'll be honest, I love free samples. I take, about I'm a three-lap guy. I do three laps and I'm pretty good. <laughs> Why are free samples amazing? Because they're free. You don't have to cook them. All you gotta do is grab them. Free, it's already cooked for you. All you gotta do is grab it and enjoy it. Free things are nice. But you know what's better to me is getting in line with my own hard-earned hard money, getting a full meal and enjoying that instead of having to do laps and laps and laps and laps and laps and laps I think a lot of us, when we have to carry our own load, we look for free handouts. When God is saying, no, no, I need you to get in line. I need you to work for what you have. And when you do that, you don't have to compare with anybody else. You can be satisfied in your own work. You can be satisfied in what you did with my help. Handouts will not save you because you have to go back and do more laps. But when you work for what you need, you always have it. And so as a church, we have a responsibility to make sure that we are helping people struggling with sin, that we are carrying each other's burdens and that we're handling our own backpack, our own load. That's our life, that's what we do. Because while we carry our own load, we're gonna be stronger to carry someone else's burden. As we carry someone else's burden, we're gonna be more spiritual to help somebody with their sin. And when we do that, we're gonna see our church thrive, not just because of numbers, but because of salvations and healing and restoration that's gonna happen every every time these doors open. It's all about restoration. You don't have to stay broken. Jesus wants to mend you. Jesus wants to bring you back to the wholeness he called you to. I don't know what sin you're struggling with here today, but you're not by yourself. We all go through it. But the problem is don't don't stay broken. Let Jesus come into your life. He did all the work for you. He carried your burden already. But you need to accept him and and take it off your back and give it to him. That sin you are dealing with, doesn't have to be your identity, doesn't have to be who you are. Jesus wants to come and surround you with spiritual people to help you on your journey. If we can, can we bow our heads and close our eyes as we wrap up? I really believe the spirit is moving in this place. I believe that people are being set free and are on that on that journey to restoration. Maybe here today and you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't you don't know Jesus. You feel like you're broken. You feel like you're, you're struggling. It's a secret sin. It's a secret problem. It's something that no one knows about. Maybe they, people do know about it, and you've been on you've been on your own, and you, you haven't gotten the help that you needed. I really believe that the greatest decision that you can make on the road to restoration is salvation. That when we accept that Jesus, who in the was with the Father in heaven, stepped down from heaven, came to earth, lived as a man from birth to thirty three. He healed people. He loved on people. He helped people. He was a radical leader. An amazing, amazing savior. Then he was falsely accused. He was, he was guilty of things that he didn't commit. And yet he did all that because he wanted you to know that he was going to pay any price it took to save you. And to show you how much you are loved by him. Jesus, he went up on that cross. He took... The nails. He took the the crown of thorns. He took the lashes, the beatings, the verbal abuse. He took it for you. This is not a, a, a guilt trip. This is not a pity party. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to guilt trip you into salvation. But I know that Jesus is real, and His love is real, and His love is for you. Phil, I don't have my life together. I don't. Have, I'm, I'm I'm all over the place. Let me fix my life, and then I can accept Jesus. Can I tell you? Friend, that you, you can't get your life together without Jesus. So what, what do you got to do? What, what, what's going to be the step you have to take? Well, what I'm going to ask you to do if you want to accept Jesus for the first time. If you want to accept him as your Lord and your Savior. On the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. You don't have to get up and say anything. I'm not going to put a mic in your face. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to see who I'm praying for. So if that's you and you want to start that journey to restoration. Salvation is made available to you, and it's the free gift from Jesus to you. So that's you. You want to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. On the count of three, you lift up your hand. One, two, three. You lift up your hand. God bless you. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else wants to accept This free gift of grace. Jesus, we thank you so much. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for us. Thank you so much for being with us. Lord, we love you. Lord, we can't do this without you. If you raise your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. And if you repeat after me prayer, here at Calvary, we're a family. We do this together every single Sunday. We back every single person up that does this prayer. And it goes like this. Lord Jesus... I open my heart, I invite you inside to be my friend, to be my savior, to be my God. Forgive me of my sins, wash me clean, make me new, make me whole, save me from myself. Jesus, I need you, I love you, and I thank you, and everybody said... Come on, as we stand to our feet, can we celebrate every single person that made that decision to follow after Jesus?